0: Well, good evening, uh, Bible study students. We're getting a little bit closer to the book of Daniel, one more chapter, and then we'll be out of the book of Proverbs and moving into the book of Daniel. Um, so anyway, here we are, and um, we're living in America, and isn't it nice to be in America when you see what's going on over there in Haiti? What is it like I forget now, 1,500 people, or was it more than that? Something like that, 1,500 that that have been killed from this earthquake, and they don't know how many more. They're still pulling bodies out of the rubbish and out of all the debris that, uh, that is there. Haiti is a very poor country, too, and a lot of those buildings were built without any foresight for uh, seismic codes. And then we have what's going on over there in Afghanistan. It's an atrocity, to say the least. Uh, uh, They estimate there could be as many as 15,000 Americans or maybe less, maybe more. We're not sure. They don't know that are still over there. And uh, we know that there are many missionaries over there. Um, Christianity... There in, in that Muslim world was the fastest growing religion in the Middle East. Wow. And so there are literally hundreds of thousands of uh, Muslims that were coming to the Lord. Amen. And uh, many of them were getting saved there in, uh, in Afghanistan uh, because it was so open for the gospel. The missionaries were free to come in there. And so it's not only here in America, but there are missionaries from other ports other places in the world that's over there as well, and so uh, the Taliban are very vicious in the name of Allah. They believe that they're getting brownie points for killing Christians. And, Of course, that's all in the, in the Quran. In Surah chapter two, you kill a Christian, you've done you've done Allah a favor uh, because. <clears throat> especially American Christians, because we're the great saint and Israel's the little saint. And so it's not a religion of peace, by the way. A lot of hate there. And so it's a real tragic situation. Uh, There is a lot of false information going around. Someone has hacked into my old uh, Facebook account and has attached my name to some of this that's going around and, and uh, sending it to the people from Pastor Nolan. That there's 229 missionaries that are going to be executed tomorrow. And uh, sending it out there in my name. And so people are contacting me. So I just, again, I took it off. <laughs> I just get so frustrated with that. Uh, people texting me or asking me. Uh, is this you? Or you know, did you put that in there? Is this you? Or are you needing help? <laughs> so, so there you go. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> proverbs, good to see you tonight. Thank you for coming out. We're going to talk more about Mr. Agor. <clears throat> if you want to learn more about Agor, well, you can watch him at six o'clock uh, on Me, on uh, um, what is it, Me TV? uh the Adams family, I believe he's the butler there, uh, but uh, anyway <clears throat> we last week we we talked about some observations that were made by uh Agor, and um, he we left off with the four generations uh of uh, sinful people, and so now we go into the four and the three yeah there, he talks about uh four various groups, and then he gets into three various groups. You can see, as we start off, we have Agor's observation on axioms. Axioms are something that illustrates something that is true. And so it is an accepted uh, explanation of something that we know to be true. Uh, We know that leeches are something that you don't want in your mouth or in your nostrils. And many times that's where they get in the, that of a horse. They get into the horse's mouth. They get up into their nostrils. They suck blood. And they, they restrict the airflow. So it can be very uncomfortable for a horse. And we find that there are, the horse leech hath two daughters. And they cry, give, give. And they're always wanting blood. They're always out to suck blood from you. They want to make your life miserable. They want to make your life Very difficult to breathe. It kind of sounds like COVID. Uh, Just uh, gasping for air because you got something in your lungs that are just sucking all the life out of you. And then you have the eye that mocketh. Notice there the axiom in verse number 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to to obey his mother. Uh, The ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. So the I here in this axiom, it's in reference to a rebellious look. A look um, at parents like, hey, I don't respect you. And I don't have to listen to what you have to say. And uh, mom, I despise what you just said. And I despise you giving me all these orders. And so it's that kind of look. And God doesn't like it. And God says through this axiom that that kind of look is something I don't like. And it will bring destruction upon you. And I don't know about you, but when I, have, when I was raising my children, when they gave me that look, I wanted to pop them one. I, I, is it just me, does it, or does it raise, uh, raise some kind of a, a, a righteous indignation within you, you know, and you just say... You know, get that look off your face right now or I'll wipe it off your face. <laughs> or maybe knock it off your face. I know that sounds like child abuse, but just don't look at me like that. That's parent abuse, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> we need to be careful of that look. God doesn't like that look because uh, that look can get you in a lot of trouble. You know, there have been people that have gotten in fights and stabbed each other and killed each other and shot at each other because of a stupid look like that. So we need to be careful of that look. And then the way of an adulterous woman. This is interesting. This is somewhat of an an axiom that um, gives you the idea of people that that go about doing uh, their lifestyle of ungodliness and immorality with no guilt or no conviction. Uh, they just they don't even think about the sin that they're committing. Notice that we read in verse number 20. He says, such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I've done no wickedness. I mean, there's, there's no court of conviction in the back of her mind. Uh, she feels like uh, there's nothing that she has done wrong. And so they can go on living their peace because. Living their life in peace while they commit uh, these sins against God and against their own body and against humanity, um, and uh, feel no guilt. And so, usually, it takes an a habitual lifestyle of that type of attitude and conduct and behavior. And that brings you to that place. So you, here we're being warned that when you get to that place to where you feel like I have done no wrong. We hear that all the time from people who are living in sin. You know, What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? <laughs> I have a son like that right now. What did I do wrong? I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, I'm just drinking, doing a little bit of drugs. Um, what's wrong with that? You know? Why is everyone so upset with me? Pray for our son Stephen. He's in uh, a U-turn program up there in uh, Eastern Washington, and so pray that he stays with that program. Uh, but um, very frustrating uh, when they get to that attitude to where <clears throat> they they don't think their sin is that big of a sin, and they 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 have a problem with you for thinking their sin is a problem. <laughs> And then we see uh, in verse number 32, and I forgot to put verse, or is that verse 32 and verse number 33? The three there is supposed to represent 33. But anyway, not to confuse you, but that's that's what we call a typographical error, a pastoral error. Self-expression of doing wrong with forcing wrath. Wow, that's an interesting one. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. Surely the churning of milk uh, bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. So just as sure as if I was to grab Levi by the nose and keep twisting it eventually it would start bleeding and so you can be sure that uh, it's going to create wrath so you know the axiom is uh, you know when you when you when you're saying something you realize I shouldn't have said that well before you get to that place to where you put your hand over your mouth and say oh wow look what I caused (laughs) I remember years ago a teenager. I was back in Kansas City, Kansas, staying with my Uncle Lawrence for the summer, my Aunt Jane, and uh, I got a little jealous over a cousin that was getting more attention than I, and I was uh, like a 15-year-old spoiled brat, and my Uncle Lawrence and Aunt Jane that was doing a good job of spoiling me, and uh, <clears throat> anyway, this cousin that was about five years older than I kept teasing me and, and uh, trying to challenge me to a fight, so uh, I felt like well you know he's bigger than I am he's stronger than I am I don't want to mess with him I'll just leave and I went over to my Uncle Herman and Uncle Ed's and my Uncle Lawrence came over later and and uh, anyway <clears throat> he was trying to get me to come home well I had caused so much strife by telling my Uncle, Lor- my Uncle Herman my Uncle Ed what what uh, this cousin that was my Aunt Jane's uh, nephew what he was doing and what he was saying and They got so upset with him and my Uncle Lawrence for allowing it that when my Uncle Lawrence came over there to get me, well, they were ready to fight him. They said, no, Jimmy's going to stay right here. You're not taking him with you. (laughs) You know, you let uh, Jane's nephew come over there. You know, he's he's twice his age. He's twice his size. And try to pick a fight with him. What are you doing? You know, get out of here. Leave him alone. Leave Jimmy alone. You know, (laughs) and there was almost a fist fight. And I'm thinking, oh, what did I do? (laughs) So this is, you know, what is in reference to. You know, sometimes we, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> we cause uh, wrath and contention between people. And then we stand back and we put our hand over our mouth wondering, well, what in the world did I cause here? And so these are things we need to be careful of. And then as we move on, as, as we have a whole virage of things going on here in verse number 15 through 28. We have... Uh, Four groups of four. That's interesting. We, as we read verse number 15 through verse number 16, uh, as we look to the half latter part of verse number 15, uh, there are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not, it is enough. So what are they? Well, there's the grave and there's the barren womb and The earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. And so as we look to the grave, we understand that people die every day. It's estimated that some 164,000 people die every day. Uh, I just was checking online. This is all fresh and new. Uh, 7,000 people in the world die every hour. 114 people, as uh, one minute has passed by, have already passed into eternity. And every every second, two people die. So as you're sitting there, as the seconds go by, you can just count them down. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. And you have already eight people have already died in the world. People need the Lord. And we need to understand how important it is, and the barren womb. Uh, You know, a woman that is truly a woman wants to do what God has created her to do, and that's to have children. Of course, we live in a day and time. The Bible makes that very clear over in the book of uh, Romans that that there are some women that have lost that natural affection. And they don't want children, and if they do have children, they don't want to have those children. They want to murder those children. And so there's something wrong about that, and the Bible calls it a reprobate mind. The Bible says that that person has been given over to the sickness of uh, their depraved mind. And uh, we have a nation and a world that is caught up in that sickness, and now we have those in Congress uh, that I mean they want to go all the way with abortion clear up to the ninth month and beyond. Um, <clears throat> but a true mother understands her purpose and if she can't have children she feels unfulfilled. Uh, and there was a time where most women that weren't able to have children I felt that way but uh, <clears throat> What we see in the depravity of this day and age has uh, changed some of that. And then we see that uh, there is drought. We need water. The ground constantly needs to be wet. It constantly needs water. If you want things to look beautiful, you have to have rain. In the state of Washington, it is so beautiful. We were up there just for three weeks here, just a couple weeks ago. And uh, we, my... Son Matthew and my wife and I, we got to, well, up there as you come up uh, about seven or eight miles north of, uh, of Granite Falls. I'm trying to think of the name of this Monte Cristo, I believe it was called. Uh, it is an old uh, mining uh, town. It is now a ghost town. It's almost a five-mile hike into it. And so a couple old people... Well, myself being old, my wife not quite as old as I am, we were able to hike up in there. It was so beautiful. I mean, the cascades are just looming over the top of those trees there, which, you know, all snow-capped. And, and uh, just uh, right below, as we're walking along the trail, there's this beautiful crystal clear uh, river of water that's flowing along. And um, the this, this scenery is just breathtaking, and then when you get up there along the, uh, the cascades of those mountains uh, up close to where uh, those, uh, m- uh, the miners would dig for the ore, the gold, and the silver, and the copper, and the lead that they were pulling out of there. It's just unbelievable, the scenery that you see there. Uh, but you wouldn't have that kind of scenery if it wasn't for the rain. You, it would look like you were down here in Desert Hot Springs with sand blowing in your face. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, when the Lord comes, he's going to give rain. and, and going to, We're going to enjoy rain, but I believe there'll be lots of sunshine too. But there's going to be plenty of rain because rain, there's just something about rain. You know, It brings, it pulls the oxygen out of the air and it puts it down into the soil and it causes everything to look so lush and so green. It's just something about when the fresh rain comes down, you know, it it pulls in all the nutrients in our atmosphere and it puts it in the soil. And that's why the grass is so much greener and green so much quicker, uh, you know, by the rain that comes down rather than the sprinklers that sometimes are in the lawn. And so we understand that uh, everything constantly needs to be watered. Because the earth is always thirsty. And then we understand that uh, the fires, like the fires that are going on right now. I don't know if those, are have they got those fires out? They're still burning. You see, fires cannot be quenched. Hello. I mean, it will never be quenched. Right. And so as long as you have fuel for fire, it's going to burn. It wants that fuel. And it just burns and burns and burns. And it's never satisfied. It's horrible to think about people will be burning in hell for all of eternity and there'll be plenty of fuel to keep that fire burning. And then as we move on there, we have in verse number 18 through 19, four incomprehensible wonders. The way of an eagle. The flight and the majesty of an eagle. Uh, We have what is called the Australian eagle. Its wingspan can reach as much as nine feet. And then we have what uh, we understand as the golden eagle and the bald eagle. The golden eagle wingspan reaches a little more than eight feet. And they can fly uh, at altitudes of more than 10,000 feet. They can dive at speeds of more than 200 miles an hour. Their peritheal vision is almost like uh, 260 or whatever. They can spot a rabbit, you know, a mile away and dive at speeds at some 200 miles an hour and leap down uh, with their talents and pull them up. Uh, their, their strength, they've been known to be able to carry away s- animals and small deer, uh, Uh, That uh, weighs as much as 60 pounds. They're amazing creatures. Uh, And there's a lot more we could say about the eagle. The way of a serpent. The way it slimes around through the grass and over the rocks. Just to watch them move is an amazing thing. And then the way of a ship. Uh, I don't like the way of a ship. One time my wife and I and a group of us... Went salmon fishing out in the uh, Straits of Juan de Fuca, and uh, we we were trolling for salmon, and uh, we I think they caught a few, and then we stopped for a while, and we dropped the anchors down, and we dropped our our, our uh, weights down into the bottom of the sound about 300 feet down, and and was doing some bottom fish and pulling up cod. And I was explaining to everyone while that boat was going up and down over those waves, now if you feel like you're getting a little bit of uh, motion sickness, just keep your eye on the horizon. And they said, okay. So I was telling everyone what to do, and I was the only one that turned green. I got down to the bow of the ship, and I thought, how much longer, oh, Lord, do I have to wait till we get off this stupid thing? <laughs> oh, man. And I mean, I had vomited everything up, and there was nothing more, and I still felt like I needed to do more. And when I got off that boat there, I I felt like I was still in the waves. It is an awful feeling. (laughs) And so then we have the way of a man with a virgin. I mean, there's nothing sweeter than uh, romance and sweet love that's morally clean and morally right. And uh, the birth of children as a result of a young couple bringing that child into the world and the love and how they embrace that child. Children are heritage of the the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward as we see in Psalms 127 verse number 3. And I thank the Lord that I have grandchildren that love children. My granddaughter Shelby and my granddaughter Cheyenne, they're just so, so in love with their children. And to watch those newlyweds when, they're, when our first little Callie came into this world. How excited they were and all the pictures. We probably, in a week's time, they would probably send more than a couple dozen pictures. And they'd be out there on Facebook and Instagram. And, and, uh, and we just love those pictures. But what's so exciting to see the romance and the love that they have. And we need a lot more of that, that kind of relationship, you know, the, the um, what we call the <clears throat> heterosexual monogamous uh, relationship that's based on holy matrimony uh, and the kind of purity and godliness that, uh, that, that many Christians put into that relationship. Those are wonderful things to experience as grandparents. Now we're experiencing them as great-grandparents. What a wonderful life. You know, if the Lord was to take me home right now, I could say that I have been blessed to live these 73 years and to see my grandchildren grow up and to see my uh, great-grandchildren And then we find that there are four kinds of intolerable people in the world that we have to deal with. Notice in verse number 21 through 23, we read that for three things the earth is disquieted and for four which cannot bear. For a servant when he reigneth, a fool when he is filled with meat, and for an odious woman when she is married... (laughs) and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. Now, for some reason, I forgot to put the little dot there for the servant, but the servant's place in power is not a good thing in most cases. If he doesn't have any kind of real training, if he's never been in that place of authority, in that place of service, to where he knows something about administration, he knows something about the office of authority, And he's been under the leadership of other people, and he's served mostly as a servant, and all of a sudden he's thrust into that position. It can be a very, very dangerous and disappointing thing to have to deal with. And I think we're seeing that right now in our country. And then we see a fool's belly that is never full. When a fool is satisfied... It gives him the energy, gives him the energy and the resources to to do even more foolish things. Why? Because he's never earned the right to receive them. We need to be careful about giving things to our children before they earn the right to receive them, they need to learn responsibility. And maybe you don't like this illustration, but I, I like uh, what uh, our former president, uh, Mr. Trump, had to say about his father. He didn't give them all you know, a big bundle of wealth. He, he said, well, here's a million dollars. Now let's see what you can do with it. And they had to be responsible with what they have. When we give them everything that we've worked all of our lives for, uh, Many times they'll just take it and blow it out of mere foolishness because they never really earned the right to receive it. And so it needs to be maybe a little at a time. Say, well, now, I'll give you this, and if you can be responsible with that, then I'll give you something more. You don't buy a 16-year-old child a a brand-new $60,000 car. You start him (laughs) off with something that, you know, and see how he treats that and kind of respect he gives to that and respect he shows to others out there on the road uh, before you, you you know, give him something that uh, he really doesn't have the, you know, the common sense or he hasn't really had the right to deserve something like that because he hasn't proved himself. Yeah. Parents need to make sure their children are proven before they give them too much of a responsibility or too big of a blessing. And I've heard of those that have great wealth and they just dole it out and say, well, if you're responsible with this, then there'll be more. But if you're not responsible with what I'm giving you at this point of the inheritance, and then you're not getting the rest. That's very wise. And so we need to be careful <clears throat> and follow. There's some wisdom that... Uh, we can learn from these. In fact, there's a lot of wisdom that we can learn from this. As we move on, we find that uh, an odious married marriage—a Woman, the word odious doesn't mean that she's got bad body odor. It <laughs> means that she's a very hateful person. <clears throat> odious, in reference to her attitude, stinks. You know, you don't marry a woman that's got a rotten attitude. Because that rotten attitude is going to be carried into your marriage. So when a hateful woman finds a naive husband, uh, one of the fundamental injustices is that he's going to have to pay for. <laughs> he'll have a contentious woman, and he'll have to find a big field to go hide in, or buy a big house and and stay up there in the in the uh, basement or down or up in the attic or down in the basement. But uh, Lord, help him if he doesn't have that big house or some place to hide from her. Then uh, then a man and then we have the same thing here with a handmaid who becomes the heir to her mistress. Um, this is similar to what we already read concerning that of a servant that's placed in power. You might want to think about what's going on right now. In our oval office with the two that's leading right now. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend our, anyone there that's in favor of these people. <clears throat> and then we see in verse number 24 through 28. There are four small creatures that are small but amazing. We read that there be four things which are little upon the earth. But they are exceeding wise. The ants. Are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat for the summer, or in the summer. And the the conies, uh, I guess that's how you would pronounce that, are but a feeble folk, yet make their houses in the rocks. And then the locusts have no king, yet go they forth, all of them by uh, bands. And then the spider that taketh hold with her hands, and is in the king's palace. So the ants, as we understand, uh, they're not very little tiny creatures. And, but they are quite strong. I've seen ants carry things ten times their weight. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> they are well prepared. They prepare uh, for the winter. And then we think of the badger. Uh, how it takes refuge in the rock and then we think of the locusts how they work together as a team and then the spider how they skillfully web uh, their spiders web uh, in palaces and in castles and in places of great importance and so We need to understand if we're to ever get anywhere in life, then we need to use the skills that God has given us and develop those skills. If we're to ever get somewhere as a church, it's going to take teamwork. We know the devil's out there to fight us, so we need to make sure that uh, we find refuge in the rock, and the rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we need to always be well prepared. As disciples of the Lord. And then in closing. Agor's three safety beings. Or stately beings. Excuse me. There be three things which go well. Yea for are comely and going. A lion which is strongest among beasts. And turneth not away for any. A gray hound and a he-goat also. And a king against whom there is no rising. Mm. So the lion represents that which is courageous. We need to be courageous. And then we think about the greyhound. We need to be graceful. And then the the goat. We had a goat years ago. We had a little, kind of like a farm, and we had a couple pigs and a cow and some chickens, some Rhode Island Reds and some New Hampshire's. And they would lay, the New Hampshire's laid the white eggs, the Rhode Island Reds, they laid the brown eggs. So we, and then we had a duck that laid the big old goose eggs. Uh, it wasn't a duck, but a goose. My, or was that a duck? That was a duck. And, she, and uh, she would take those ducks there, and that duck egg, and I thought she would throwing them away, but she's feeding them to me for breakfast. <laughs> Somehow I never knew the difference. <laughs> But those were good eggs, you know, real bright orange yolk because they feed off from the bugs and the worms and a lot more flavor to them. And then we understand the king against whom there is no rising up and that king is the Lord Jesus Christ and we need to keep our eyes on him and keep following him. As we follow him, we are to be steadfast. We live graceful in our our lives as we race down the track for the lord jesus christ and courageous as we fight against all the foes that are out there to try to destroy us all right so that brings us to the end of that and i thought maybe there might be something there for all of us so i thought i better give it all to you and so there you are heavenly father thank you for your word